0: I'm James Bryan Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. Christ is your greatest treasure. If you missed the pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on things Good, beautiful, and true thoughts on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. Well, this episode is actually the third of a three-part series on the good life. As I mentioned in in two previous episodes, I teach a course at Friends University called The Good Life, and in that course, we talk about three main ways in which we experience a life that's good. The first is life led well. That's the agential side, our agency, our choices. When we lead our lives well, what what are the things that we do that we have some control over? And then the second is life feeling well. That's the affective or emotional side. What does a good life feel like? And I talked about that in a previous episode. But today I want to talk about the third aspect of the good life, which is life going well, which is the circumstantial side of life. So what are the circumstances? What are the things we, we ought to hope for for a good life? If we say, oh, this is what I really want in my life, not just how I lead it, that's the life led well, or how I'm feeling, that's the effective side, but like what should I hope for in terms of how my life goes? What are the things that might happen to me? Well, the obvious answer for many of us is that we would hope that we would have money. <laughs> it's, that's just common. And I see that in my students when I ask them, very early in the semester, to write like, well, what, what, tell me what the good life would look like for you. In fact, in 2017, there was a survey done, uh, the American Freshman Survey, and 82% of American freshmen said it was, quote, essential or very important to be, quote, very well off financially. There wasn't another question that got even close to that kind of a response. Money is a pretty easy one when it comes to saying, well, what is it you want for your life? Well, I think I would like to have some money. That's one that makes sense to most people. And I've even made the joke that one of the students in the class said, is this class going to be about yachts? Because I thought this was going to be about yachts. Because surely if you have a yacht, your life is great, right? I mean, that's the idea. That's the cultural narrative. That's just woven into everything. We see it in ads and commercials media, marketing. It's just a part of our cultural narrative. If I have a lot of money, if I have some status, if I have a lot of success, surely that is the good life. But here's what I think is really interesting. That is a delusion. It has always been a delusion. The truth is this. Money provides things for us. No question about that but money cannot provide the ends money can just provide the means towards a certain kind of life benjamin franklin said money never made a single person happy yet nor will it the more money a man has the more he wants instead of filling a vacuum it makes one at one point john d rockefeller was the richest man in the united states and reporter pointed that out to him, which he said, yes, I'm aware that I am. And that reporter then asked, well, how much will it take for you to be truly happy? And Rockefeller said, just a little bit more. So I think Franklin was right. There is this sense that if I had a whole bunch of money, that I would be happy. And yet everyone who's ever gotten it will say, that actually isn't what happens. It doesn't actually make you happy. Because it's it's the means to something, to be sure. And I'm not anti-money here, don't hear me wrong, because you know what, what does money provide? Money provides a lot of things for us. Basic needs are met. Shelter, food, safety, access to health care. The opportunity to experience enjoyable things like vacations. If you have enough money, you have freedom, you have opportunities. So I'm not saying, oh, money's really bad. I and mean, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, we need to be careful because there is that verse that is I would say probably the most misquoted verse in the Bible. 1 Timothy 6:10, which says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil." What people often say is, "Money is the root of all evil." Paul didn't say that. What he says in 1 Timothy 6:10 is, "The love of money is the root of all evil," because that's idolatry. If you love money, That is a form of idolatry. You're given a kind of power, and it's the root of many evils. No question. Most of us understand that. So, what am I saying? It's not wrong to want to have certain things, basic needs met, to have money to do things. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's what we do know. Money cannot provide happiness. It cannot provide well-being. Money can't provide meaningful relationships. Money can't provide love, genuine love. Even the Beatles sang it, right? Can't buy me love. And money cannot provide for us a sense of purpose and meaning. It just can't. It doesn't have the ability to do that. It does a lot of things, but it doesn't do that for us. Jesus told a parable, one that I think is a very striking parable, about a man whose success and wealth was so great that he did not know what to do with it. Here's how the parable goes. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And there I will store my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life's being demanded of you. And the things you prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up for treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. That's Luke twelve, sixteen through thirty one. So Jesus tells this parable to bring home this incredibly important point. We may think, if I have these material things, then everything's going to be great. And I will say, relax, eat, drink, be merry, life is great. But then life will come to an end, which forces us to ask questions like, well, what is the essence of the good life? It's not in these things. You can't take these things with you. Any wealth you achieve in this life will go on to someone else. So, if it isn't in that, what is it? I love what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. I can do all things through him. Who strengthens me? That's Philippians 4:11 through 13. Paul most likely grew up in a, we would say, an upper class home. He was educated at the finest schools, so it's likely that he grew up, not in poverty at all. He grew up having things. And then, he was a tent maker trying to just survive as he was being a missionary. So he learned how to live on little. And then he was in certain conditions where he was destitute. He was thrown in prison. So when Paul says, I've learned to be content with whatever I have, I've, I've had little, I've had a lot. He's telling the truth. But what's the secret? I've learned to be content. And the secret is because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's at the center. I love the old hymn, My Worth is Not in What I Own, which says, I will not boast in wealth or might or wisdom's fleeting light, but I will boast in knowing Christ, my greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. Knowing Christ, my greatest treasure. For those of us who know Christ, who can say, I have an intimate relationship with Jesus, Jesus and I are close, I know him, he knows me. You know that is the greatest treasure. So, if it's not in wealth, fame, success, power, all the things that this world says, oh, that's the good life. If it's not in that, well, where is it? What kind of things ought we to hope for? Well, I think there are seven things that lead to a really good life. These are scripturally founded principles, and I just believe they're true. I've experienced them. The first one is faith and obedience to God, or what Jesus said in that parable, being rich toward God. I found that the most meaningful thing in my life is having a life of faith in living my life in obedience to God. I know that when I follow God's will, God's way, when I live with God in his kingdom, I know that that is the greatest thing I can experience in this life. That is life going well when I live that way. A second thing that I'm absolutely certain is essential for a good life are relationships. After my relationship with God, Nothing matters more than family and friendships. There was an 80-year study done at Harvard. For 80 years they followed people, mostly men because when they started it Harvard was only for men. Even people like John F Kennedy were in this study. And they w- looked at these people's lives and they asked them questionnaires year after year after year to define, you know, find out where are you? How happy are you? What's going on in your life? I mean, it's the most extensive study. And the single conclusion that they came up with was the one factor that led to a good life, relationships. Deep, lasting relationships led to the most satisfying lives. We know it's true. When you think right now, like, what is it that, that matters the most? It's your family. It's your friends. That's what really matters. We, we invest in that because it's what really leads to a good life. Third, I think, is having a sense of purpose. That's another thing that several studies have affirmed, this idea that if we have a sense that our actions, that our lives, that our vocations even, have some meaning to them, that our lives are contributing to something or benefiting something or someone that we think is important. If you have that, that's crucial, a life of purpose. That's an incredibly important part of what it means to have a good life. Fourth, our experiences. There's no question when I look back in my life and I think, okay, what was just wonderful? It really were. It was. It's those experiences. Those are the things. Those are the things that you think. Yes, that was what I loved the most. Cesar Pavese says this. We don't remember days. We remember. Moments. The richness of life lies in memories we've forgotten. I think about those great moments in my life, and I can close my eyes and be there and experience them. The day I met my wife, the day my son was born, um, that, that you're, my first child, and you're there and you're looking at it like, whoa, it's profound, it's deep. Moments with friends. Those are the things that we say, yeah, that, I, I don't remember what the day was. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm not sure I could tell you what the year was, but I remember the moment, those experiences that are so rich and meaningful. We build a life with those. Fifth, certainly our health. Your health's at the center of your life. In fact, in some ways, every part of your life relies on having good health. So investing everything we can into our health is crucial. No question about that. Anytime you see someone whose health has failed, they will tell you man, there's nothing more important. They would trade all of their riches, all their success, all their fame if they could get their health back. So we know your health is crucial. Six, time. Time is the one resource that is finite. We just don't have an unlimited amount of time. We don't know when the day will come that we will pass on to glory. But how we use our time determines the quality of our lives. Those decisions that we make. Anne Lamott tells the story when one of her close friends who was dying of cancer, and they went shopping. And as happens, you know, when, when you're shopping for something and you try something on, and you say, does this look good on me? Do I look okay in this? And her friend said, you look great. And she's like, I don't know, I don't think it doesn't, and does it make me look fat? And her friend just said, you know what, I don't have that kind of time to care about that. That story has really always stuck with me, because I think sometimes we invest in things and think this is what's really important, but you know what, it isn't. Time. The time that we have determines the quality of our lives, no question about that. Number seven, and finally, is hope. We have to have a sense that somehow the future for us is bright. As Julian of Norwich said, she looked to the future and God spoke to her and said, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Those words just echo hope. If we don't have hope, we live with despair. It's one of the things I love about being a Christ follower because I believe in the resurrection. I believe that Christ has resurrected and lives in me. Because of that, I know he's defeated death. I know ultimately how this ends. I know I will be with him in glory. I know I will see the people I love in glory. I trust the goodness of God for the future. And I live constantly with hope. So, you could ask, well, Jim, why, why these seven things? Why time and relationships and obedience to God and faith. All the, why do you say those are the ones that are the most important? Well, I would say this. Those things that I just mentioned, they can never be replaced. There's no, there's no replacement for them. They can never be substituted. You can't f- switch something out and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swap time for blank. And here's the thing. The things that we think are the most crucial actually are replaceable. They are. The things we think, oh, well, if I lost that, if you lost what? Success, fame, money, power. Those are replaceable things. The things I mentioned, you can't replace. Because here's the thing. Anthony J. D'Angelo said it this way. It's very profound. The most important things in life aren't things. The most important things in life aren't things. Faith, time, relationships, experiences sense of meaning, purpose, hope. Those aren't things. You can't bottle them. You can't sell them. They're the most important things. So, how do you put all of this together? For me, this is how I look at my life. I commit time to being with God. It's why I go to church. It's why I do devotions. It's why I pray. I commit time for God. Second, I invest in relationships. Third. I find purpose in what I do. I try to say, this is what my life is about. Listen to God. I listen to my heart. Say, what? Lord, this is what you're calling me to be. Fourth, I try to savor life's experiences. Man, it does move fast. Life moves pretty fast. Ferris Bueller had it right. You got to pay attention. Savor life's experiences. Fifth, take care of your health. I invest in my health as best I can. Can't control everything. There are too many friends I've had, that they, they did great stuff with their life, and they still, you can't control it. But what you can control, take care of it. Sixth, take charge of your time. Time is a finite resource, as I said. I don't want to squander it. I don't want to waste it on things. I want to spend it on what really matters. Seventh and finally, cultivate hope. Cultivate hope. One of the great blessings of my life was getting to spend the better part of a day with John Wooden. John Wooden was the coach at UCLA, basketball coach for many years, set records that are kind of unbreakable, some of them. I mean, he just, but more than his success as a coach, it was his success as a human being that matters the most when i got to spend that time with and and my son jacob was with me when we got to spend that time with john wooden i think he was 92 at the time he would die at 96 a few years later but he would look back on his life and he would say things and he would quote his poetry and it was unbelievable i mean just learning from this guy you you just felt in his presence like this guy lived a life and the summation of what he said to us that day and is is the summation of his teaching goes like this Be true to yourself. Help others. Make each day your masterpiece. Make friendship a fine art. Drink deeply from good books, especially the Bible. Give thanks for your blessings and pray for guidance every day. Material possessions, winning scores, and great reputations are meaningless in the eyes of the Lord because he knows what we really are, and that's all that matters. True wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom, as Dallas Willard said, is the knowledge of how to live well. The good life is found on being connected to God, deeply involved in relationships, valuing your time, living with hope, investing in the things that really matter glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, ApprenticeInstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend, and you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind, your answer will be, things above.